God invites us to become all-in followers of Jesus. And to invite others, too. We believe that we've got to hand that baton of faith to the next generation. To provide place for families in our valley, to have somewhere to bring their kids, find community, and know they're valued. A place where people can move from rows to circles on Sunday and throughout the week. I believe that through Jesus, I'll have a path and a purpose to help others. We will always be a church that will do whatever it takes to make room for people, to make room for everyone. For everyone. For the first 20 years of ministry, uh, my wife and I, we worked with a ministry up on the college campus. Uh, and the way that worked is for us to have a salary, for us to have benefits, to eat and sleep indoors and pay for all the things that we were going to do in ministry, meant that we needed to raise our own financial support to make that happen. 100% of it, nothing was given uh, to us by the organization itself. So this meant that we had hundreds and hundreds of generosity conversations with individuals where we would sit across the table or across from someone in a coffee shop and talk with them about generosity. As I would tell people that this is how we made our income, they would say, there is absolutely no way I would ever do something like that. And for Carmen and I, and I, I know that this is true, if you were to ask us, what was the thing that caused us to grow the most and our faith and our trust in God around his provision for us and about generosity, it was that support raising process. Here's some of the convictions that I developed very early on. I knew that everyone that I was gonna talk to that was a follower of Jesus, every day they're making investment decisions. They're investing their time, they're investing their talents, they're investing their treasures, they're investing their plans, their future in something I'm just giving them an opportunity to invest it in something that's gonna last forever. People last forever. That's the heart behind the Everyone campaign. And so when I thought about that, when I thought about what it is that I was passionate about, people coming to know Jesus, people having a relationship with him that's gonna last forever, it made me very bold and willing to ask people to make an investment because I felt like I was giving them an opportunity. I want you to know that that same heart still lives in me. That same heart still lives in the hearts of the leadership of this church. So when we think about asking people to invest in things that last forever, we're gonna ask boldly. We're gonna ask confidently because we believe there's nothing better that we can do on this planet than invest our resources in the next generation, helping them come to faith in Christ. With everyone initiative, it's gonna give everyone us, one of us the opportunity to ask the question, what do I really believe? Do I really believe that myself? 
And so we're gonna be asking boldly in the Everyone Initiative, you've heard it multiple times now, we're talking about what does it look like for us to pass that baton of faith to the next generation? What does it look like to position our campus, our facility, to be able to minister to the people that God is bringing to us? And also be able to share what God has given us here on this campus with our community throughout the week. What does that look like and does it matter? And we say, yes, absolutely, it matters. And what we've been talking about is this idea of a vertical conversation. That's what we want for you to have. God, what does this look like for me? What does generosity look like for me? And you know, any conversation, there's, there's two sides of a conversation, right? Today, I wanna talk from God's perspective. I want you to hear from God. I want you to hear from his word. What are his thoughts on generosity? And we're gonna be looking at kind of a, a broad section of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapters eight and chapter nine and some generosity principles that the Apostle Paul helps us to understand that we need to understand if we're gonna make a generous commitment to the Everyone Initiative. Maybe just to set up a little bit of context to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is challenging, he is challenging the church in Corinth to give generously to the poverty-stricken Christians that were in Jerusalem. He is taking an offering from them. And I love throughout this whole section the word choices that Paul uses to talk about this giving. He doesn't ever say that this is giving money. He uses words that talk about a relationship between a person and God. He's talking about our sacred act of worship. He uses words like, it's a grace. It is a blessing to others. It is our worship. It is our ministry. God relationship words. It is a vertical conversation. I love one of the commentators that I read. He just wanted to emphasize so much the vertical nature of this whole section of scripture. He said this, he said, Paul's primary concern is not the budget, but the fruition of genuine grace in the lives of believers. And then he says, we must keep this vertical dimension of giving clearly in focus. I loved it when I saw that. That was exactly what I've been thinking about and exactly what I've been talking about. And to see him say it in that way, I just thought I wanted to read that to you. There's five principles that we're gonna look at today as we look up to God and think about that vertical conversation. What are five principles of generosity? And the first one, God wants us to be cheerful. 9-7, 2 Corinthians says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And then a couple of negatives. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Just like God, he always starts with the heart. He cares about what's happening in our lives infinitely more than he cares about what is happening through our lives. He said, look at your heart. And he said, there's a couple things that you need to look at and say, make sure that those things aren't there. One, that you don't give reluctantly. Like, like you've got this like, I'm holding on to it and I feel like other people are trying to pry this away from me. No prying. We'll do no prying of stuff away from you here. And he says, don't do anything under compulsion. This idea of pressure. 
We don't give out of feeling like there's external pressure from other people. So let me, I've, I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again, there will be no prying, there will be no pressure, no guilt, no shame as we think about generosity. Because we believe that generosity is a journey. It's a journey that we all take part in. And that generosity journey, it's a, it's a road trip for us to take together. It is not a guilt trip. But what we're excited about around the Everyone Initiative is that we wanna figure out what is your next step on the journey? Maybe your next step is your first step. Maybe you've been taking lots of steps, but what is your next step? But Paul says this, don't take a next step if your heart isn't cheerful, if it's not coming out of an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of joy. 12 years ago, when we had the capital campaign to raise the resources to buy the land that we're on, this 40 acres, and build uh, this facility, we were a smaller church back then, but we were asking some of the same questions for people to be generous toward what we were building. And there was a couple close friends of mine. They asked if they could meet with me. I wasn't on the staff of our church, but I was on our council, and they just wanted to ask me some questions about the project and as we began to unpack a little bit of what was happening in them, they just said there's, there's this reluctance that we feel. There's this pause that we feel about giving. And we just wanted to talk with you about that. And I think probably in the back of their mind, because I knew them well enough to know that their capacity to be generous was great. But they asked me, what do you think we should do? And I just immediately said, I don't think you should give. If you have a reluctance in your heart, I don't think you should give. And I, their face just kind of dropped. I think it was the, the last thing that thought they were gonna hear from a leader of our church. But I had this exact scripture in the back of my mind. It's like, no, no, no. We don't give in that way out of reluctance or under compulsion. God wants a cheerful giver. And until our heart is cheerful, I would say don't give. And I would say that, I said that to them and I would say that to any of you as well. Give out of a cheerful heart. But let me counter that with this. We said over and over, no guilt and shame, thinking about commitments to the Everyone Initiative. But I also wanna talk about another piece of this, which is conviction. Those are two different things. Guilt and shame is something that people leverage against people. Conviction is something that God does to our heart. It's him making us uncomfortable. It's his Holy Spirit in us telling us that we are not in line maybe with his idea of what generosity would look like for us. So for some of us, this conversation can be really uncomfortable. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I've felt discomfort at different times thinking about my own generosity around that. And that's okay because I believe what is happening is that the Holy Spirit says your generosity is here and I want you to move it to here. That creates discomfort. There's never anything that God is gonna invite you to do in generosity or in anything that doesn't create discomfort. But that's what grows our faith. And that's what I want for us in the midst of this. I care so much more 
about what God does in you and how he shapes your heart and shapes your belief and shapes your trust in him and your willingness to hold all of your life, including your money, up to him. I'm so much more concerned about that heart piece than what we raise for this project. Don't cheat yourself by not having this vertical conversation with God and letting him stretch you, letting him create some discomfort. Second principle of generosity, Paul says we need to be intentional. Verses six and seven of chapter nine. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I wanna highlight what is bold there. Give what you have decided in your heart to give. Paul is saying, Generosity, it is an intentional, it is a conscious, it is an on-purpose decision that we make. It's not haphazard, it's not random, it's not just kind of a, a quick emotional response to an ask. He's saying, make a plan, have a purpose, be disciplined in your generosity. Be disciplined in what you give. In fact, in the previous letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he got very specific with them how to be intentional. 1 Corinthians 16, one and two, this is what he said on how to be intentional with your resources. He said, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you, see, each one of you. Paul has the assumption everybody is doing this. Everyone should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Do you know that there's a plan? There's a, there's a structure. There's a discipline to it. He says, think about it. Make a decision and follow through on what it is that God is asking you to do. Now in the 21st century, if Paul was writing this to our church, I know that one of you would raise your hand and say, is there an app for that? And the answer is yes. There is an app for that. Here at Journey, we call it online reoccurring giving. It's that simple. Giving, recurring, online. This has been so helpful for Carmen and I because we make intentional decisions about what we want to do with our generosity, but it's so easy for us to get online and say, this is how much we want to come out each week, or this is how much we want to come out each month. And it just happens. So many times in years past, we would have intentional thoughts about what we would wanna do, but we would get our statement at the end of the year and there'd be months where there were holes. And it was like, what, why didn't we give there? Like, what happened? And you know, life just happens. You know, there are things that are happening. We don't always get to what we want to do. Recurring giving online makes us, gives us the opportunity to be incredibly intentional. And you know what else? There's another reason that this is important to us. Not only does it help us be intentional, 
But you've probably noticed since COVID, since the beginning of COVID, we don't pass buckets anymore around here. Because even with the, the passing of buckets, there could be this subtle pressure, this subtle compulsion for people to give. We don't want that for people that are our guests, that are just kicking the tires maybe of faith and trying to understand who Jesus is. That's why we're doing everything we can to just move people to online recurring giving. It gives us the opportunity to be intentional. A third principle from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is God wants generosity to be proportional. Chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Simply put, what Paul is trying to help people understand is that generosity looks different for everyone. Every one of us has a different capacity and maybe even a different heart for generosity at this place. That's why we believe that these vertical conversations are so important. God, in light of my circumstances, what is it that you want from me? It's not about the size of the gift, but the heart with which it's given. I love that one of the most extravagant pictures of generosity described anywhere in the scriptures is a little elderly woman, a widow, putting in a couple of small coins into the offering. And it was stated that this was one of the most extravagant gifts ever because she gave everything that she had. Large numbers with lots of zeros don't always necessarily mean generosity. And numbers that may seem smaller can represent an incredible heart of generosity. It's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice, equal heart, according to our means, what God has given us. There's one thing I want to bring up around this proportional piece, because I've heard this so often in my life. There are so many people that say, if I had more money, I would give more money. When I make more money, I will give more. You know what's interesting? Is that statistically, it's not true. People that have higher levels of income tend to give less as a percentage of their income then people are at the lower income levels. The exact opposite of what we would expect. Even in times of economic crisis, it's oftentimes the poorest among us that are the most generous in terms of the percentage of their income. Don't believe the lie that if I just had more money, I would give more money. Start your heart now. Start your journey. Now, even if you're a young person, you're thinking, I don't have much. I just have this small allowance. That's great. Think about how you can be generous even with that. Whatever your next step is on the journey, let's take our next step. Because here's what's true. If we learn how to handle with generosity 
when we have a little, we will know well how to handle it when we have a lot. If we don't handle well when we have a little, we don't have a shot at doing well when we have a lot. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at on the generosity journey, just get started. Take a next step. A fourth thing that Paul's gonna tell us is that generosity is always sacrificial. It says this, 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Does that sound like a cheerful heart? Then Paul says this, and they exceeded our expectations. And now friends, you've got to hear this. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That vertical piece. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. They held up their life. They held up their resources. They held up everything they had and said, everything that we are, everything that we have belongs to you. And out of that, it says, and then by the will of God, they gave also to us. The vertical conversation is always, always where it starts. And out of what God does in our heart, that's what moves us to generosity to the world around us. And what Paul is trying to help us understand is that generosity is always sacrificial. God's kind of generosity is sacrificial. But it can be a little bit tricky, kind of like, like, what is sacrificial? How do I know if I'm being sacrificial? There's a definition that I heard from Tim Keller years ago, and I've just never been able to shake it. He says, sacrifice, if your sacrifice does not change the way you live, meaning change your lifestyle, it's not sacrifice. If your generosity doesn't change the way you live in some way, it is not sacrificial. I told you earlier that Carmen and I have sat across the table from hundreds and hundreds of people and had generosity conversations. There's one that I don't think either one of us will ever, ever forget. We were probably 22, 23 years old, just out of college and meeting with lots of people. Uh, We were heading to this home and we were meeting with a retired pastor and his wife. They were elderly at the time. As we pulled up to the house, it was this tiny, tiny house, and it was so well-worn. And I remember we just kind of sat in the car, and I remember looking at Carmen, and I, I just said, I don't think there's any way I could ask these people for money. I don't think I could do that. We went in, and we sat across the table from them, And they were old, but all I can remember is their eyes were so alive. And as we started to talk about what God had put on our heart 
about reaching college students, about reaching the next generation. They just continued to light up. And every once in a while, he would just like pound the table and he's like, we've got to go after the college students. We've got to go after the college students. When we got to the end of that meeting, there was no way that you could stop them from being a part of what we were doing. And they gave us what I would just say is the most extravagant gift and commitment to our ministry that they kept forever, the whole time that they were living. I remember walking away and I'm like, Carmen, how are they doing this? How are they doing this? They need this more than we do is what was going on in my head. The story doesn't end there. It was probably 15 years later, maybe even 20 years later, I was communicating to a group of people in a completely different town than those people lived in. I didn't mention their name like I didn't mention their name here, but after I was done speaking, someone came up to me and they asked, is there any chance that you were talking about so-and-so? And I was just shocked. I was like, I was. How, how would you know that? And they said, because they did the same thing for me. They were the most extravagant givers in our ministry. And it just made me start to extrapolate out and try to fill in the dots. It was like, what were these people doing? How were they doing this? I mean, you could look from the outside and just say, are they just foolish? No. They had made a decision somewhere along the line that said, we are more concerned about our standard of giving than we are about our standard of living, and we're gonna make decisions in light of that. You could look back and say, that just seems foolish. But here's what I know. Where they are at in eternity, they know what matters in this world. And I promise you, up there, they look like geniuses for worrying more about their standard of giving than about their standard of living. They knew what it meant to have to say no to some things in life, to be able to say yes to generosity. And there's so often I just think I wanna be like them. I wanna be like them in my life. I wanna live the way that they did. The Everyone Initiative, it's gonna give every one of us an opportunity to make some level of sacrifice. You know, I think back to 12 years ago when we did this for the first time. Sometimes it just like blew my mind what some people were willing to do. Some people sold plots of land. Like, like I'm not talking about an acre or two. I'm talking about hundreds of acres up in the Bridgers to give to what we were trying to do around here. And I'm just like, whoa. There was a family that sold their private plane to give to what we get to sit in here today. There were people that gave real estate up in Big Sky as a gift toward what we were trying to do here. Sacrifices that I just thought, it's unbelievable what people are willing to do. You know what was just as impressive to me? Was there were people that were thinking of all kinds of small things that they could do to sacrifice. One of my close friends and I love her so much. She shared a little bit about how she had lots of extra lotions and nail polish and lip gloss and hair products. 
She said, I just buy way too many of them. I'm not gonna buy any extra of those. I'm just gonna use what I have. And all of the proceeds from that, all of that I'm saving, I'm gonna give it to the project. So I think I'm gonna take all of my hair products. (laughs) It won't get us where we wanna go. But you get the point. Just even small levels, thoughtful sacrifices can create opportunities for generosity. Patty talked about it up here. What if, what if you took your grande, triple shot, soy, pumpkin spice, extra foam, 165 degree, double cup, no whatever. What if you gave that up, one of those, every week? $6.50, I looked it up, about $6.50. Give up one of those a week. Over the next three years of the Everyone Initiative is over $1,000 that a person could give. Maybe it's a meal a week. You know, just going out anywhere, probably for lunch in Bozeman, a lunch and a tip, 20 bucks. Not unusual. 20 bucks a week. Over the next three years, over $3,100. You see what I'm saying? You You can make huge sacrifices or you can make small lifestyle decisions that can create great margin for generosity in our life. What are we willing to sacrifice? I love how Keller said it. If, it. if generosity, if sacrifice doesn't change the way we live, it's not sacrifice. It's not generous. What is it that we can do? And, and I love the thought that it just as I was sitting backstage listening to Brittany and Brian and Jason and Patty talk about that we're sitting in the sacrifice of other people. Many of us were not even around the church when we built this, but we get the chance to sit in the sacrifice of other people. Now I just wanna say, church, it's our turn. It's our turn to think about what can we lay aside for the next generation? It's our turn. And Paul would say this, generosity is continual. It's continual, and by that I mean this, verses eight, seven. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You see what Paul's doing here. He's saying it it doesn't matter where you're at in your generosity, you're not done. He wants you to take another step. Excel still more, and excel still more, and excel still more. This generosity journey It's one step at a time. And it's motivated. That heart motivation, that cheerful heart is motivated in this vertical conversation when we look up. When we look up at Jesus and what it is that he's done for us. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9. Here's what Paul says. He says, look up. I'm not commanding you but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
If you wanna know where a cheerful heart comes from, it comes from remembering that in eternity past, there was a generosity conversation where Jesus said, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to lay aside everything and to go and be with them and to be among them, to suffer with them, and ultimately to give my life as a sacrifice for them, as payment for their sin. The foundation of our faith, everything that we lean on is built on sacrifice and generosity of our God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love gives. Love is generous. We believe that, and that's why we're willing to ask boldly, to ask for people to be all in on this with us. This week has been so fun as I've run into people in and around, people especially in the latter half of their life that are like, let's do it. Let's go after the next generation. Let's make commitments for that. And I even ran into a college student yesterday that he said, I've been excited all week just to see what God does. People are excited, and so am I. It's exciting to see what God is gonna do in our lives and through us together. And I said it last week, said it the week before, but it's gonna take everyone. Every one of us having this vertical conversation where we hold up our life, we hold up our stuff, we hold up our things, and we just say, God, what is it that you want from me? What does generosity and sacrifice look like for me? But that vertical conversation, somehow we need to respond to that. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. In the chair back in front of you is a commitment card. I want everyone to grab one. Even if you think, man, I'm just here for the first time. I don't even know what's going on. Just grab the card. I wanna just go through it with you. And now I know for some of you, uh, you've already made a commitment. You already know what it is that you're gonna do. You can just fill out this card and give us the amounts. Some of you are just thinking, I still need to have this vertical conversation. And some of you, like I said, are maybe a guest and you're just thinking, I have no idea what's going on. I just showed up here today. You get a pass on this. But I wanna let everyone else know this is what we're looking for in our commitment. Three things. One, what is the total commitment? What is it that I wanna give above and beyond my regular giving over the next three years to be a part of the Everyone Initiative? And we want you to let us know, like on that card, it says there's different ways that you can do this. I wanna do this much a week for 156 weeks over the next three years, or I wanna give this much a month over the next 36 months over the next three years, or however it is that God is leading you to give. We want you to let us know how it is that you want to do that. And we also wanna ask you, when are you gonna get started with that? And if you know what that number is and you're able to fill that out today, I'm gonna to give you a moment here of just quiet reflection. You can fill that out and you can put those in the orange giving boxes on your way out. But like I said, some of you have not made that decision. You got, I, I still need to do some work on this vertical conversation. We're gonna be continuing to collect these cards after today, throughout the week, you can mail this to us, 
Or if you're online, you can go to the QR code that is on there, or you can also go to everyonebozeman.com and you can fill out uh, an online commitment card there. I wanna just give everyone a minute now. And if you know what you're gonna do, take some time to fill that out. If you don't know, just take some time to pray. And if you are a guest with us, just take this time to pray with us and pray for us that God would do something amazing in us and he would do something amazing through us. I'll give you a moment to pray. generous to us. Thank you for your willingness to sacrifice everything on our behalf. And we just ask you to continue to speak to people all across this room and those that are watching online that are part of our family. What does sacrifice look like for us? What does generosity look like for us? We ask you to put that on our heart and give us the courage and the boldness to follow through on whatever it is that you're asking of us. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.